If you could write one story, what would it be? I want to write a story about the word happiness and what happens if you zoom in on it, you'll find that I am always in the middle of it. I want to write a story about you. So I learned that first, I have to write a story about me. So when I open the window of my soul, there's a mirror where you'll see yourself. I want to write about what an early bird does daily before catching that worm and how it sings. It sings songs to the God that created the sun, the beacon of warmth. Its wings flap louder than a bee can. Its tweets always follow sunrise. I want to write a story, but I'm not concerned about writing ones that'll make you cry. I'd rather write stories that'll make you die to yourself. I want to write a story about worship and ask, God, is it worth my lip service if I surrender almost everything? See, I like singing it, but being it, you can sign me up to sign a story. Braille my words so the blind can feel my story. I want to write a story. I want to type a story. I want to write a story about what type of story I am an original because I've been made new. Times Roman. What does the font say about you? And I pray. I can stay bold now. I want to write about how I'm God's pen. He pushes his words through me. And since I speak, I can breathe his story. Since I breathe, I can be his story. This planet is my page. My feet are God's pen, man. Place me wherever. So as I pace, my stride will glide across this globe. I know as long as I'm held in God's palm, he wants to write a story through me. So I just, I just want to write. So at the end of my life, what's left is a story for the world to read. So I need to keep writing these stories. I need to keep breathing these stories. I need to keep being my story. Church, understand, you're writing a story. And yours, yes, yours, could be the one that someone in this world needs to read. Well, hey, Heritage. Hello. Great to be with you. I want to greet our Bendorf campus, those online, and all of you here at Rock Island. This has been quite the week for us as a nation. The good news is the campaign ads are over. The not-so-good news is it is absolutely clear we are still highly divided as a country. The election didn't fix that. Quite honestly, it was never going to fix that. Only Jesus can address the brokenness of this world. Yet the reality of disunity in our nation means that there's a reality of disunity even in our cities. And our church family is divided over certain political or cultural issues. And whether you were encouraged or discouraged by the results on Tuesday, as the people of God, we need to be about the business of God, the mission of God. And that didn't change on Tuesday. So it's all the more appropriate that we are stepping this weekend into our global outreach emphasis. The time of year where we talk about how God is positioning us to go be love. And he has been moving, granting us favor and going before us in crazy cool ways. And we have unprecedented opportunities. And I want to tell you those now, but I'm going to wait and we're going to save them to the end. But as we continue to journey now, the reality is that he calls us to go be love. How we live in this life matters. In fact, how we live 
actually confirms who we love. And that's your first feeling if you're tracking along your note guide today. I encourage you to grab that and use that as a tool. That how we live confirms who we love. So the things we do in life demonstrates whether we love others and whether we love God. And that positions us to really dive into the Word of God with a very practical and overt example in Scripture. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn to the New Testament to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. We're about to read... Uh, a portion of scripture that is in red letters for those of you that have red letter Bibles. They're the words of Jesus. And what we're about to dig into is not just a passing thought. It's not just an intellectual idea. It's not a, it's not a random story. It's not even a standard parable. It is a description of a scene, a future scene of accounting for how we have all lived. And how we live confirms who we love. So let's take a look at these words from the the lips of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 31. When the Son of Man, and that would be Jesus, he's talking about himself. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels are with him. Now can you just hold there for a second? Can you picture that? All the angels? I don't know how many that is, but it's quite a heavenly host. It's a lot, and it's impressive. But he's coming with all the angels, and it says that he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So listen, these are red letter words of Jesus. He's saying them. He said them to his disciples. One of whom was about to betray him. One of whom who would deny him three times. And all of them would abandon him. Yet he found it important enough to teach this so that they would understand that how they live confirms who they ultimately love. He's making a point of this concept now. In some ways, these words fall pretty close to being final words of instructions. Because three days from this moment, he will be crucified. So there's an inherent importance and weight that comes behind these words. As he chooses to offer them in this moment with his disciples. Now you may notice in what he says that it says all the nations... All nations, so that's every tribe, every tongue. So all the angels, all the people, this is no small gathering, folks. They're gathered together, and the people are about to be separated into one of two categories. Just two. One of two. And which one we get separated into is determined by how well we love. By who we love. And in this dynamic, as he unpacks this reality connects to the whole world. You may recall from last week the words of Peter in Acts where he says that God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. God shows no favoritism. He looks at the people of the world and he looks at them equally and those who, he accepts those who fear him and do what's right. He doesn't show bias to one people group or another. He looks at the whole world, no favoritism. And he accepts those who do what's right. And we're about to see in the rest of this part of Scripture what it looks like to live rightly. What it looks like to to live for Him. So let's take a look at this as He talks to the sheep who are on His right. 
Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Sounds pretty good. Come on in, folks. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me and I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now this sounds really great. He's talking to the sheep, but at this moment the sheep are surprised. And they say, wait a second, hold on, hold the phone. When did we do this? When did we see you hungry and thirsty and naked and in prison and a stranger? And he's like, look, look, in verse 40, he says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. See, Jesus in this section of scripture identifies six things of care, of love, of service that have a direct connection to the reality that how we live confirms who we love. And he actually connects something that many of us struggle to connect, to connect or don't really want to connect. He connects how we treat others and our relationship with him. He says that they have connection. These aren't the only things he talked about that with. He actually talked about forgiveness in a similar way. He said, if, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. But if you forgive, you're positioned to be forgiven. But at this point in Matthew 25, right here in this scripture, he's talking about hunger. He's talking about thirst. He's talking about the immigrant. Because the word for stranger is foreigner. And that's a real-time hot-button issue in our country. He's also talking about those who are naked. Talking about illness. And he's talking about incarceration. And how we handle those things. How we address those needs. How we engage in those issues matters. Because of who we're actually serving when we do it. Because what we do for others, we do for Jesus. What we do for others, we do for Jesus. Now this may not be a new concept for you. It may be new. You've not heard that before. But for some of you, like, I got this. This is old news. But listen, it's, it's not new, but it's not a lone concept either. It is woven all through Scripture. Galatians chapter 6 tells us that as we have opportunity, we're to do good to all people. Hebrews chapter 13 says that we're to do good and share what we have because that pleases God. Even back in the Old Testament in Proverbs, it says those who are generous to the poor lend to the Lord. There is a connection between how we interact with others and our relationship with God. Because what we do for others, we do for Jesus. And it's why we talk in terms of going and being love. Go be love. It's a principle that's very simple, but the implications are distinct. They're significant. And the reverse of this concept we're talking about is true. The reverse is true. Take a look at what happens next in verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, those will be the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Holy moly. He's talking about hell. Why? Why do they have to? Why? Why are they separate out? Why do they go that way? He says it in the very next few verses, verses 42 and 43. He says, For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They, the goats, also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, 
Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. You did not do for me. Same scenario, same situation, same needs, totally different outcome. And this shows how important it is that that how we live ultimately matters. How we live confirms who we love. And and we all want to be sheep. We all want to be sheep. Nobody wants to be goats, right? But we end up there. We can't end up there. Because fundamentally, how we live now, how we live now influences how we live next. How we live in this world influences how we live in the next world. We're spiritual beings, so... We all have a next, people. We've got it. And how we live in that next is influenced by how we live in the now. And quite honestly, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven, which is frightening if you don't understand why. Jesus himself is the one who clarified it in Matthew chapter 7. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only those who live rightly. Only those who live fully into the purpose I've given them. Look, how we live now influences how we live next. It matters. And because, because the story of our lives is often how people learn about how God works in the world and how, they, how he can work in their lives, we've invited one of our missional partners, Chris Britton, who works for Youth Hope, to come and share from his own life story through the spoken word. To help us better understand that how, how we live now matters for how we live next. It influences it. So I invite you to sit back and listen in as Chris shares from his own life. Hello world. Goodbye womb. Hey, I was in that for nine months. Hello home. Hugs, huggies. Balance, goodbye crawling, hello walking, stairs, pain, band-aids, oops, bad aim, hello potty training. You're that happy because I put that in there? Well, hey, life gave me five, so I'm going to school now. Hello, principals, playgrounds, and rectangle sliced pizza. Goodbye elementary, hello junior high, smells, and B.O. Hello deodorant. Body changing, parts arranging, hello, puberty, voice cracking, and hair there. Hello, high school, goodbye, innocent eyes and innocent ears. Hello, violence, flashing lights and sirens that often turned into moments of silence. Last night, he was awake. And now I'm at his wake. In a line, I wait where his cold cold corpse lay in sleeves like blank CDs, no beat, as I lean in to friend's abandoned building of a body to kiss his frozen forehead, which to this day is the coldest floor my lips have ever stepped on. Goodbye, Kenyatta Ellis. He was only 19. Hello, death. I hate the thought of you. Future, uh, you really ain't looking so good. Hello, hello, youth hope. Your chairs have become a parking lot for my soul. Hello, hello, answers to questions in hand. I, I could get right now or left later, but I desperately want 
my soul in the arms of a Savior. Hello, Jesus. Jesus on the cross. Goodbye, guilt. Goodbye, shame. Hello, forgiveness, only found in Christ's name. Goodbye, old. Hello, new. Hello, new you. Hallelujah. Goodbye, teenager. Hello, youth ministry major. Mom, my roommates, their names are insecurity and doubt. We always fight, so I've learned to hide under the wings of my professors and their words. Their words cocooned me with confidence, and eventually by junior year, I emerged with wings, with wings of strong character flying across the path of her. Hello, godly woman, that I've always longed for. And there were nights, there were nights that we talked until we tucked in the moon, and the sun gave us a standing ovation. Hey, no more playing games. Unless it's life, will you marry me? Hello, yes. Engagement. Wedding. Hello, kissing my bride. Hello, one, two, three, beautiful Britain baby girls. Goodbye, free time. <laughs> Goodbye, sleep. Goodbye, hairline. Hello, God. What now? Family, ministry, poetry, stages and more stages and more stages of life. Goodbye yesterdays. Yes, I'll always remember you. Hello tomorrow. I welcome you. Future, I'm so fascinated by what you're holding for me. Hello life. Your days are numbered, so why don't I make you count? Hello death. Yes, one day. One day you'll tag me, but uh uh-uh, you can't have me. So when I say goodbye to my last breath, that's only goodbye here. Goodbye grief, goodbye pain, goodbye tears, and then, and then it's hello God, hello forever. No need for goodbyes, goodbyes are gone. Hello Father, hello heaven, I'm home. Man, I love that. There's power in our stories. Our lives are a letter from Christ. And there's a reality. We live in this world, but we have a home that is yet to come. If you want to know more about Chris and the Ministry of Youth Hope or our other partners, you can go to heritageqc.com and check that out under the Live Sent tab. But our, our stories, our stories are letters. Our lives are letters from Christ. We're to be people who live modeling his love. We go be love. So I want to take a few moments to just talk about a foundational concept. This is basically the explanation for why we do what we do, who we are as a church. And if you're new to Heritage, this would be a great insight into understanding what makes us tick and why we engage in the things that we do in the manner that we do. But it all starts with a foundational reality that we were made by God and for God. He created us in his image for fellowship and relationship, a beautiful thing. Out of love, he did that. But the reality for us in this world is that there's a gap between us and him. And that gap was formed by a thing we know as sin. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin separates us from God. He's holy. We're not. He can't hang in unholiness. But he loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and pay a penalty. The penalty we couldn't pay. The debt we could not repay for our sin. So that we can have a relationship with him. We can be saved. Romans 10.9 says that if we believe in our heart and profess with our mouth, we're saved. And when Jesus saves us, we have relationship with God. 
God the Father, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. We, we love and serve a triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and in that dynamic, through Jesus, we have a relationship with God, and God imparts the Holy Spirit to us so that we are empowered to live as he calls us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says that the Holy Spirit will come upon us. The power of the Holy Spirit will be upon us. And we'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the very ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is provided to us, not only to live in the reality of our salvation and holiness, but because we're not just saved to be saved. We're saved and ultimately sent. Jesus said in John 20, verse 21, As the Father sent me, so I send you. We're a sent people of God. Our identity in Jesus and relationship with God positions us to go, to actually engage in relationship with people of this world, people who need to know the love of the Father, people who need to be cleansed from their sin, their brokenness in their lives needs to be redeemed. We're positioned. We get to go and build relationships. The challenge is there's another gap, and that gap is between us and them. We call that our second gap. It's a relational gap. It's a gender gap. It's a, it's a language gap, race gap. It, all kinds of gaps exist in the world between us and other people. But as the sent people of God, we're supposed to go and love and care and serve and, and, and build bridges in relationship to those individuals. That's what we get to do. We get to build bridges over the second gap. And we do that as we engage in the things identified in Matthew 25. Feeding the hungry, the thirsty, visiting those in prison, welcoming the stranger. All of those are second gap ministry realities. We get to represent Jesus in this world so that these individuals can cross this gap and then make their own decision to cross this gap in Jesus Christ. Somebody did this in the life of Chris so that he could step into this location and then step through relationship with Jesus, have relationship with God, and now he's living as a sent individual where boys and girls around these cities are making decisions for Jesus. This is what we get to do. This is why we're still breathing air. This is why we exist. Now, this is, this is complicated. This is messy. And this is dynamic. But that's why the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is so important. The Holy Spirit allows us to live in this complexity in a manner that God's able to work through us. If, if we love God, we will love others. We will go be love. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing that we get to do. But not everybody lives fully into this. Some people focus only on their spiritual realities. Some people focus only on the community dynamic they have among like-minded people. And many people just never really live into that next reality. But this is the whole gospel. This is why we're still here. That the second gap reality is the entire purpose for why we don't just get sucked to heaven right away and create a vacuum on the earth. The moment we get saved. See, second gap ministry is not benevolence-based in need. It's obedience-based in love. Second gap ministry is not benevolence-based in need. It's obedience-based in love. It's really not optional. How we live in this world influences how we live in the next. And, and this is an action expressing love, not, not just needs. It's not needs-based. It's command-based. It, it, it's not just benevolence. 
it's obedience. It's how we express our love for God in this world. And we're not just simply helping people when we build those bridges. We're not just meeting needs. We're not just being kind. We are first and foremost obeying Jesus Christ. And if he is our Lord, this is not optional. We have to go. We have to engage. And the price of indifference to the second gap reality is eternal. There are eternal implications. And my greatest concern for us as the people of God is that any one of us will reject this reality and think we don't have to live as ambassadors of the gospel of reconciliation. This matters. If we think it doesn't, we can end up positioning ourselves where we ultimately live as goats. Consider the words of James. He was the brother of Jesus. Here's what he said. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Such faith, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. If we love God, we will love others. How we treat others directly impacts our relationship with Him. What we do for others, we do for Jesus. If we don't live into that reality, our faith is empty. And the price of indifference is eternal. And we can't afford to be indifferent around this. We can't afford to be indifferent towards Jesus. We can't afford to be indifferent towards the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live this way. We can't afford to be indifferent towards the resources God gives us. And we certainly can't afford to be indifferent towards the gaps that exist around us. And I realize that for some of you who've been around Heritage for a few years, you may feel like you've heard this before and you're tempted to think that it's the same old thing. That it's just, it's just repeat information. And it's true that we've revisited this before. We've talked about this before, but this is not a program. This is not a ministry idea. This is not a fad. This is the will of God. And we get to do it. We get to go be love, and it shapes our eternal destiny. And we'll keep talking about it until we all live into it. I love you too much not to talk about it. The stakes are too high in this dynamic. I don't want any one of us to end up being goats in the equation. The stakes are too high. So let's go to so what? What does this mean? The good news is that we get to choose whether we're on the left or the right. We get to choose whether we're going to be a sheep or a goat. And it's not a guessing game. It's not where we try to do our best and we keep our fingers crossed and hope God's going to be pleased. It is far more clear than that. Jesus has made it very clear. And it's something that we choose today. It's something that we choose every day. And we don't choose it then. When Jesus comes back, we don't stand in that group and when they're starting to go left and right, we say, hey, hey I'd like to choose to go to the right with the sheep. Because <laughs> again, we all want to be sheep. We, we choose and decide now. It's revealed later, but it's lived now in how we engage in this world. It's based on how we've lived all along the way. And how we live now influences how we live next. You know, honestly, one of the greatest obstacles to us living into this reality is our, is our own comfort. Our own comfort. The six things that Jesus identified in Matthew 25 all require some level of sacrifice. 
uh, time or talent or treasure. It, it requires us to forfeit our own comfort to engage in those things, which is one reason why many people just end up living as goats. It's comfort. But choosing our own comfort is contrary to the Christian life. Choosing our own comfort is contrary to the, to the way of the Christian life, the gospel itself. Being a follower of Jesus actually means we consider others better than ourselves. We don't just look to our interests, we look to the interests of others. And it also means that we live into the second gap reality on a daily basis. This is why we're still here, it's why we're breathing air. We do have a choice of how much we engage in this, but if we love Jesus, there's really no choice. If we love God, we will love others. The relationship starts through Jesus Christ. We, get, we experience salvation, but that salvation is not the destination. Salvation is a launching pad to be someone who lives sent, to be the people of God in this world. And if you're someone who gets excited about seeing people cross this gap, but you're annoyed or bored or ambivalent about this gap, at best, you've chosen your own comfort. And at worst, you don't really know him as Lord. Because this is not optional. And again, I love you enough to tell you. I love you too much not to push on us in this area. And I want to be really clear. I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about salvation and security around salvation. I'm talking about lordship. Um, it's, this conversation is not about losing salvation. If you're thinking that's what this is about, you're missing the point. When we're made new in Jesus Christ, when we, we have that transformed life, when we're surrendered to him, when we experience salvation, we're positioned to want to live this way. That transformed life is expressed in this world in how we live in an ongoing basis in our relationships with other people. This conversation is about lordship and its reality. In, in, look, if you're running around wringing your hands trying, am I saved or not saved? Did I, did I lose my salvation tonight or, today or not? Stop. You're worrying about a gift you receive. You don't earn. You receive it through Jesus. And salvation in Jesus is not something that we just fall out of. So if you're wringing your hands about your salvation, whether you've done enough, stop. If you're someone who has been saved and you're standing here and you're thinking you don't have to engage in this, please stop because you're rejecting his lordship when you refuse to go. And there's implications. Listen, the goats, the goats were not standing here going, did we do enough? Did we build enough bridges? Did we do the right things? They weren't doing it at all. They refused to engage beyond themselves. It was all about them. And the whole gospel is not just about us. We have a very clear call to go. And we get to do it. We get to be part of seeing the a holy God work and move in the lives of people where they're transformed, they're made new, and they have purpose well beyond themselves. This is something we get to excel, really just celebrate. We, in the end, this is not optional. We do get to choose, but it's not an elective. And you can be tempted, you may be tempted right now, to dismiss what I'm saying. But I love you too much not to tell you that if you dismiss what I'm saying, you run the risk of being on the left. And if you don't agree with me, you've got to wrestle with the words of Jesus on your own then. Because he invites us into something much bigger than ourselves. And my job as a senior pastor is to live and love and lead in a way that leads all of us into the whole gospel reality. Into the full purpose that he has for us. 
Not just the first gap, but the second gap, because that's why we're still here. And that is a process of positioning us to voluntarily forfeit our comfort, to die to self, to consider others better than ourselves, to risk for more. That starts with salvation. If you've not made the decision to receive Jesus as your Savior, this is your first place to risk for more. This is your first place to step into all that God has for you. On the back of the sermon note guide are three simple steps of admitting, asking, and then saying yes to God. If you have yet to do that, I implore you to have the conversation in that example prayer below those three steps with God today through Jesus. And you can step into life and life to the full as you risk more with him. If if we're going to do this thing, if we're going to try to do this over here, Without the gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit in us, it's nothing more than compassion. If we're going to try to engage in community with like-minded people without the Holy Spirit, it's nothing more than just community. And if we're trying to engage in spirituality without truly loving and surrendering to the Lordship of God, it's nothing more than random spirituality. All three realities, living loved, living linked, and living sent, is what positions us to see God work and move in our lives as he desires. It's about surrender. We can be like Jesus in our own bridge building because he built a bridge for us as we go be love. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful that God, that Jesus did not choose his own comfort. He emptied himself. Philippians 2 tells us that he was willing to go, to come. He was willing to be with us and he was willing to love through sacrifice. Jesus was one who was willing to go be love. And because of that, I'm eternally grateful. And I know many of you are as well. Therefore, we need to live as he lived. In 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 9, it says that we have, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. He calls us into a holy life, and the things of Matthew 25 require us to forfeit our comfort to live into that holy life. They each require us to sacrifice of time, talent, or treasure. They're expressions of obedience, not just benevolence, and it's a choice that we make today and every day. So I want to encourage you to decide to choose to be a sheep and not a goat. Make the choice today that you're going to live in a posture of submission to his authority and live into risking across the second gap so that more people can know who he is. They can have relationship with him. Be a sheep, not a goat. That's not based on appearance, status, standing, or networking. It's based on how well we love now. Now. It's not decided later. It's decided today and tomorrow and the next day. It's revealed later, but it's lived now. In what we do with what we have, in what we do with the opportunities that God gives us. And those opportunities come out of our own experiences because we're positioned to build bridges to to specific people. As a former state trooper, I have the distinct pleasure of building relationships with police officers all across the Quad Cities. I love it. I get to be an encourager. I get to be a cheerleader. I get to be an advocate, just a friend in that dynamic. And I'm building bridges over the second gap. And it's amazing. And you can do the same. You're positioned in places with people around you that God wants you to do the very same thing so that they're positioned to cross that primary spiritual bridge into relationship with Jesus Christ. We get to do that. As Paul reminds us in Ephesians, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in them. Be a sheep. 
Look for the opportunities to build bridges over the second gap. Yes, live into your identity and salvation, but walk in it on a daily basis. I want to invite my wife Beth to join me on platform. Beth is one of the members of our Live Sent team, and she's one of the leading voices in Second Gap Ministry Conversations. And as she comes to share the specific opportunities, these unprecedented things that God's been positioning our church for around the Second Gap reality, I want to encourage you to sit back, listen in, but also remember that we get to choose whether we're left or right. We get to choose, but we choose now. We don't choose then. So Beth, share with us how God's been working and moving. When you uh, came in this morning, um, both here and at Bettendorf, you should have found one of these pamphlets um, on your seat or in the seat next to you. I want to encourage you to grab that now if you can, if you can get to one, if you can't. We have extras at the information booth and at the Go Be Love tables as you leave. You know, the reality is that we cannot cross the second gap on our own. And so we as a church do that in partnership with people here in the Quad Cities and around the world. And so this pamphlet kind of gives you as just a, a peek at some of the partners and organizations and people that we've connected with that we are working alongside to go be loved together. And so you'll want to check that out as well as you can go to the heritageqc.com website and click on the Live Sent page and you can find out more about all of our partners there. But as we step into the next few weeks of our global outreach emphasis, we are asking you to prayerfully partner with us in three ways. And so I want you to take out this faith promise um, card here. And I kind of want to talk through this. About 15 years ago, Sean and I were introduced to the concept of faith promise. And, and this is kind of what the challenge is with faith promise. This is, this is a commitment that you make in, in sort of connection with God about how he might want to use you as a steward of something extra. Um, that you would want to partner with our missional partners around the world. All of our missional investments here in our Go Be Love pamphlet are resourced through giving that is over and above our tithes and offerings. And so I know that when Sean and I first were presented with the faith promise, ask, and we spent time with the Lord about it, and we were like, okay, this is different, God. We faithfully, we give you back 10% because that's obedience, but this is, this is extra. So what does that look like? And the first year, our faith was pretty small, <laughs> honestly, but God, God delivered, and he delivered even a little bit more, and we passed that on to our church in our missional investment experience for our church that year, and then the next year we did the same thing, and we felt like God asked us to grow our faith a little bit, and it's been a journey for us and one that we invite you to consider. And so the first one is we just ask you to spend time with God over this next week. God, how might you want to bless me so that I can turn around and I can bless someone else in a, in a missional way? And so take that card, pray about it, bring it back next week, and we're going to receive those during our, our time to receive our author offering at, the next, um, at our next services next weekend. There's something new we're asking you to do in our faith promise commitment time, though, as well. Here's the reality. We go out in physical spaces that we inhabit in this go be love reality. And so not everyone can go out into a school or into a prison in that physical way. But we can all do that in the spiritual arena. And so we are asking for a greater commitment from all of us as a church to prayer. 
It's part of our being more spiritually intense and more spiritually focused. And so if you're willing to be a part of a Live Set prayer team, there is a circle for you to check, X, color it in, whatever you want to do. And we are literally going to just kind of group people into Live Sent prayer teams because we know that the things that God is asking of us in this next season are going to require a greater degree of spiritual engagement from us before we're actually in the physical space and while we're in the physical space and after when we leave the physical space. Because we battle not against flesh and blood, but we battle in the heavenly realms, and we honestly need more people battling in the heavenly realms. The third way that we're asking you to connect into our Go Be Love opportunities this year is to be a part of some of the new, awesome, as Sean would say, crazy cool things that God is doing in and through Heritage Church. And so if you're interested in what serving in some of those might look like, you can go out to our Go Be Love tables here and at Bettendorf and check out some of those opportunities. If you're interested, put your name down and contact information, and we will get in touch with you. I want to share with you now one of the really amazing things that God has put before us as a church. Several months ago, the chaplain from the Kiwani Juvenile Detention Facility, it had been announced that it was closing and that it was going to be opened in a few, a few months later as the Kiwani Correctional Center. And so they as a staff were figuring out what that meant, and they knew that a component of what it would mean is that there would need to be a spiritual, a spiritual presence in the prisons. And so that chaplain reached out to us and, and explained what was going to be happening. That center right now is in the process of receiving applications from inmates throughout the Illinois Department of Corrections. They will take the top 1% of male inmates, it'll be a little over 600, and they will be at the Kiwani Correctional Center, which will become a three-year transitional program to equip, to restore, to rehabilitate, to redeem these inmates so that when they leave after three years, they can be fully functioning, free, productive citizens and neighbors and have their relationships restored and have jobs to, to go to. And so they said to us, hey, would you be a part of working on what that spiritual journey might look like for them? And we said, yep, sign us up. We are happy to be a part of that conversation. And so starting in January, they will begin receiving inmates at the beginning of the year. In January 23rd, Heritage Church, it's a Monday night at 6.30. Mark it on your calendars if you're a praying person because we're going to be needing prayers. We will be having church in the prison. We will have worship. We will have a sermon that will be um, live, won't be live streamed, but we'll show it on a, on a TV image. And then afterwards, we'll have small group time led by, led by male mentors. And so if this stirs your heart, we are right now building the team that will be doing that. We'll have different teams that go in each week. It'll be facilitated by a few of our pastors. In the times that we live in, how awesome is it that a prison goes, hey, let's reach out to a church and see if they can, see if they can help us with this spiritual component of restoration and redemption and reconciliation. 
We've got another opportunity. Rock Island Schools has asked us if we would go into one of their schools and we would do something similar to what we've been doing at Jefferson Schools over in Davenport. How awesome is that? Yeah, we are so excited about that. But you know what? We need you to make that happen. And so right now we're building the team that's going to be doing that. We're going to be feeding the hungry in the schools. We're going to have a food pantry. We're going to be encouraging the teachers. We believe that God has a lot of other really cool things on the horizon. And the only limitation that we have in stepping into that gap is resources and people. And I'm looking at a room full. God is doing cool things. He is going if before us. These are not things that we're seeking out. It is, what, it is what God is doing. And I believe that it is in response to what has been happening, what we are celebrating over the last year. And God is saying, I have more. Heritage, I have more. I have more. And so I want you to pray about over the next week, God, what is the more that you're going to trust me with? And hold it like this with open hands. Let's hold it with open hands. When we close down on it, it becomes about us. Let's hold it with open hands so that it can be a sacrificial offering. We've got one more cool thing coming up. December 2nd, we're doing something called the Story Shop here at Rock Island at 6.30. This is an opportunity to Christmas shop and tell a better story with your Christmas gifts. There are cards like this out at our information center and at the Go Be Love table. We'll have them around over the next few weeks. You are not going to want to miss this opportunity. All of the goods that we will have here tell an amazing story. They tell different stories. They tell stories of moms keeping their kids from having to be put into orphanage, orphanages. They tell stories of girls being rescued from trafficking. They're telling stories of women who have been homeless who are now learning a trade, who are off the streets, who are reunited with their children. They tell stories of refugees who've been rescued and are being restored to their countries of origin. Amazing stories that we get to, that we get to see, that we get to interact with, that we get to support, and that we get to pass on to someone else. It's what I call, it's a win, 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 win. Everybody is winning December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. If you don't get here on Friday night, whatever's left, and I don't know what will be left, but if there's stuff left, we're going to sell it at our campuses on the 3rd and the 4th, and so you won't want to miss that. God is doing cool stuff. There is more to talk about next week. You don't want to miss it. We're going to hear from a lot of our partners. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Right now, though, I want to invite you to stand here at Rock Island. Bettendorf, join us in standing. I want to pray a blessing over us. This is a Franciscan blessing that I think is an appropriate charge for the things that we've been talking about as we go out into a world that is broken, that doesn't just have cracks in it, but it has chasms. And so let's receive this blessing as we continue our worship. May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, have truths and superficial relationships so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that we may work for justice, so that we may work for freedom and for peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain rejection and hunger and war and incarceration 
and nakedness and illness so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless us with enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world so that we can do what others claim cannot be done through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us and through us as the body of Christ. May it be so. We pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.